Hey everyone, and thank you for checking out this message today. I'm Reed Robinette, I'm the senior pastor at Crossroads Church in Maryland, and we hope this message encourages you and challenges you. We believe that everybody has a next step of faith to take, and I hope this message helps you take yours. Enjoy. Well, hello. My name is Kevin Deming. Glad to have you here today. If you're joining online, so thankful you can be with us as well. Uh, I'm looking forward to today. So today is another opportunity for us to flip the script. Uh, now, flipping the script we talked about is where we have the message in the beginning and the worship towards the end uh, for the month of June. But we're also flipping the script because my name is Kevin Deming. I'm the campus pastor at a Hampstead location, and Kevin Size uh, from Westminster is now at Hampstead teaching there. So we flipped pastors. So we did that as well. Uh, so I'm glad, excited to be here with everyone today. Uh, one of the cool things about the way that we're flipping the script is for a lot of years in student ministry, I uh, had, when I did student ministry, we had our message towards the beginning and then we would do worship songs at the end. And I love that because what would often happen with students is that they would tend to be towards the end of the message. They would think, all right, they're always thinking about where they're going to eat or what going to do, and they would check out as soon as it happens. Now, I know as adults, we don't ever do that. We always stay focused to the very end, and we never do that, but as students, they would. So it was a great time for them to reflect on the message and think about what God's doing before they actually uh, left. So I'm excited about us be being able to do that here during the month of June as well. So for my family, one of the, the things that we've liked to have done for, we've done it for years. Uh, my wife started this is that when we eat dinner as a family, uh, she asked this question, what are three interesting things that happened to you today uh, that we don't know about? And so Greg's conversation starter gets us into things that, uh, you know, happen more than just how was your day? Good. You know, that kind of stuff. And I remember there was this one part uh, when uh, we asked that question, uh, my son David came home from school when he was in high school, and uh, it, we asked that question, and his response was, well, let me tell you what happened. <laughs> now, at that point, you know something good is about to come. Uh, I'm like, okay, this is going to be good. He said, all right, well, just curious, what happened? He said, well, there's a girl in our, our, our class who uh, is British. Uh, she speaks British, so we're asking her and talking to her, hey, um, where, what, um, do, did you live in England at any point? And She's like, well, no, no, I never lived in England. She's like, well, did your parents live in England? No, no, they never lived in England. In fact, our whole family has lived here uh, in West Virginia for our entire lives. And they're like, so why do you have a British accent? And she said, well, as it would be, my parents, until the age of seven, only spoke to me with a British accent. That's all they did. He said, and then all of a sudden, one day, they just stopped and started speaking in a normal West Virginian accent. And they were like, why would they do that? And they said, she said, simply because they just wanted me to have a British accent. So I tell you what, parents, man, they are committed. They are all in. There's other questions we can talk about later that might revolve around the commitment level of getting your child to speak a British accent. I'm not sure about all that, but they were committed to that. But the interesting thing about that is how do we learn to talk? We learn to talk by listening, don't we? We learned to talk by listening. So she learned to speak with a British accent because the people closest to her spoke with a British accent. She heard it all the time. 
I, I, I love this series, Heart to Heart, or talking about prayer, because I think prayer works very similarly. The idea that, that when we pray, how do we learn to pray? We learn to pray by looking at, at how Jesus prayed. We learn to pray by listening to how others pray. And often we pray in that way. When I was uh, a teenager, I remember uh, knowing that God's Word talked a lot about the fact that we need to pray. Well, we need to. And I remember just sitting there going, but I don't really know exactly how to pray. I don't know, like, what words you say? How do you do this? And so I just started praying, God, help me learn how to pray because I don't know what I'm doing. And, and that idea of understanding and knowing that, that if we want to know how to con- have a relationship, a heart-to-heart conversation with God, we should look to God. Now, the disciples were the same way. They, uh, they asked Jesus as well, and he gave them uh, a model of prayer in Matthew chapter 6. Often we, we refer to that. It's uh, called the Lord's Prayer, and, and it's a great model of prayer. It's interesting, though, that nowhere in Scripture do we see Jesus actually praying those words himself. It doesn't mean it's not a great prayer. It's a wonderful prayer, and I encourage you to to, to pray that. But it's also interesting to see that Jesus prayed for many different things. And so as we're beginning to look at our lives and think about, all right, God, how do I pray? A great thing to do is to look through God's Word and see what are the words of Jesus' prayers. He prayed often, and, and you can see that. And so I encourage you over the month of June to dig into that and to look and see what are the things that Jesus prayed for. Now today, uh, we're going to be uh, digging back into John chapter 17, and we're, we're looking at different parts of Jesus' prayer uh, before, right before he was heading off to uh, the cross, and so he was praying at this point, and today we're going to look at John chapter 17, verses 1 through 5. So let's take a look at this. It says, after Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began." Now, I love this passage in so many ways because it's the heart of Jesus. It's Jesus having the conversation with God the Father, that heart-to-heart conversation. And I, I love the thought of this, but it's also a great example for us to begin to looking at what are the things that Jesus prayed for. Now, uh, here we see Jesus actually sets a precedent to pray for himself. He prays for himself here. And you think, well, sometimes I know I'll feel guilty about praying for myself because, you know, I think I should always be praying for other people. And, and there's some truth in that we should be looking to that. But the difference here is I wonder what the difference is between how Jesus prays for himself and how often I pray for myself or we pray for ourselves. In fact, I, I find that I tend to pray for God to help me get what I want or what I need. God, help me have what I want. Help fix this situation. Help make this better for me. And we see here Jesus prayed for God to receive what he is doing, that the will of God would be had, and that it was about God the Father and that relationship. He was a heart-to-heart conversation. It was Jesus sharing his heart with God versus saying, I want, I want. 
Often we can look to God as a, we think he's a prayer genie. If we pray it, he'll make it happen. And the reality of it is, it's more about a conversation, a heart to heart, and looking to see what God is at work and doing in our lives. And so I think that often we pray differently than, than maybe Jesus did here. And so let's take a look at, at these five verses, and we're going to go through each one and talk about uh, what, what that looks like. John 17, 1, we'll start here. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. Now, we see here Jesus prays for the Father to be glorified through him. In his life. Now, we see that he says, uh, you know, glorify your son. I don't think we should be going around praying, God, glorify me, make me be glory. It's not that kind of glory. It's the glorify through the what he's doing in and through his life that people could see God the Father and the work being done. It's a little different than God, glorify me, <laughs> make me well known, make me famous. You know, it's not that kind of prayer at all. You see, uh, part of glorifying God is this idea of obedience to his will. You see, Scripture indicates that man's primary purpose is to bring glory to God by the way that we love and by the way that we live. Uh, what Jesus is about here uh, is he, he wants to experience uh, his life to be a reflection of what God is doing, to give glory to God uh, by submitting to him in humility. It's that laying it down and saying, God, whatever you want and whatever you're doing, I want to be a part of that. I want to follow in that. And that is the pivotal point and what brings us to salvation and a relationship with God the Father. Uh, any glory that Jesus obtains is completely about fulfilling the mission that he's come to earth to help people be restored to God. Uh, ultimately, God the Father receives the glory. That's everything he does. I wonder, instead of maybe praying for God to be glorified through me, I wonder if we usually pray for our own glory and mine. What makes me feel better? What makes me look better? What makes my life better? I think I can tend to do that often. Let's look at the second verse. John 17, 2 says this, For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Here we see Jesus is praying for the mission. He's praying for the mission. The mission of God that is to restore people to him. His focus at this point is obeying the will of God so that the plan may be revealed so that people could know God. The purpose of Jesus' earthly ministry was to bring glory to God by allowing his life to reflect that through the cross and the resurrection and allow us to come into relationship with God. His sacrifice on the cross means salvation by grace through faith for all of us who look to him. You see, the mission that Christ had was one to come to earth as a helpless baby to live a perfect life and to be the only one who could stand in our place before a holy God as the one who accepts um, our, our, our punishment for us, who does that for us. That's the mission that's at hand. And see, Jesus is knowing, knowing that what is about to come is praying for this mission to be fulfilled. I wonder how many of us, including myself, pray for my life to be more comfortable rather than no matter what's to come, I want to go through it as long as you get glory. It's a difference in our prayer. I often pray, God, help me to be more comfortable today. Help my life to feel better today. The third verse here, 
We see it says this, Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I love this thought. Jesus prays for people to know God because they know Jesus is the one who came for them. God, help people to know. And this isn't just a casual no. This isn't a no of I, uh, like, like you, you've met someone famous and you're like, oh, I know them. And like, really? Yeah, I got their autograph. <laughs> it's not that kind of no. It's, a, it's an intimate no. It's a, it's a deep level of intimacy. In fact, uh, the Greek term here for, for no often is interchangeable with this idea of the word believe. Now, in our culture today, the word believe uh, means basically I think or I know or it's possible. Many of you might have made this statement uh, earlier this year or this year, and the statement is, I believe that the Ravens will win a Super Bowl this year. Some of you might have made that statement. Now, some of you are thinking, well, that's probably not going to happen. Or some of you are like, oh, yeah, that's going on. Yeah, it's happening. Um, but in that moment, what we see is the word believe in that statement is, I think it's a possibility. If all these things go right, um, it's a possibility. In, in Scripture, when the word believe comes, it's a full weight upon, it's, it's, a, it's a knowledge based upon a fact of knowing what, who God is. It's not a, I think, maybe. It's an, I know. It's true. There's a deep level of intimacy and relationship that's found in that. Uh, and that, that idea that saving faith that we have, our belief in that Jesus is who he says he is, uh, is not a passive a temporary or a mechanical kind of faith. It is a trusting, trusting, it's an active faith. It's engaging in a relationship with God. And so for us, I, I, I see Jesus here prays for people to truly know God. And I wonder, I wonder because I know I do this at times, how many of us pray more for people to be fixed than transformed? Man, I, I, God, would you please just help this person to not be such a jerk? You know, God, would you please help them to not do this? Help them to figure out that there, we start praying for people to be fixed. And, and often that can even be our spousal prayer of the day. You know, let's just fix our spouses. Yes. Uh, but the idea here is that that's not what Jesus prays for. He prays for people to know who God is, that that is the most important thing praying that the way that he lives his life would be a reflection of showing people that. Uh, verse 4 in chapter 17 says uh, this. He prays, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. I love this. He's praying for the work of God to be finished. It, it, the idea here is that he knows that in this moment here that, that he is, is about to see what's to come. He knows the cross is on the way. We know it because we've seen God's word and we know what's to come. The disciples at this time, he, even though Jesus said it again, it's going to happen. This was the reality that he was moving from a time of, of ministry to this role of active ministry, to this role of passive. God, I'm going to follow in whatever is going to happen. You lead the way all the way to the cross and to the resurrection. And we see this passive role takes place, this submitting of laying down. God the Father, I've laid my life down so that your work could be finished. The work of allowing people like us, like you and like me, to have the opportunity to be restored to God through what he's done. You see, um, this is an upper, a, a part where we see Jesus' prayer is God finish the work, complete it. I love the thought of when Jesus was on the cross, one of the last words that he said was, it is finished. 
It is finished. In fact, uh, the word there in the Greek, Greek word is the word tetelestai. And the word tetelestai means they would write this on debts that people would owe across the debts. And it means paid in full. It is complete. It is done. No more is owed. And so I love the word that Jesus said when he said tetelestai. It's that mentality of saying it is finished. The debt has been play, paid in complete fullness now. And so I love that thought. He was praying for the finished work of God to be done. I wonder if we pray more for circumstances that are hard and difficult just to be finished. Just to be through this season. God, would just get me through this season. God, just get me past this hard moment. God, just move me over here. I just want to get through this hard time so that I can can just be comfortable again. God, I just finish this. It's a different kind of prayer for finishing, isn't it? It's a different kind of prayer because our our focus is often on missing out on what God is doing. You see, I I had breakfast with someone recently, and we were talking, and he asked this question. He said, Kevin, he said, is there a time in Scripture where someone truly grew in their faith without going through a struggle? I stopped and go, hmm, I don't think so. No. No. I mean, there were times where miracles happened, but it came out of a struggle. There were times when God did all these things, but it came out of a struggle. In every instance, growth happens out of a struggle. And so sometimes we're praying for God just to move us past a circumstance. What we're saying is, God, move me ahead before you finish your work in me. I just want to get past it. Instead, there's a a shift, flipping that mindset of saying, God, I know I'm in a difficult circumstance. Don't love how it feels. But as I go through this, would you allow your life to bring glory through me? Finish the work in me so that I can be a reflection of you and your glory. It's a different prayer. It changes how we view our tough and difficult circumstances. And then verse 5 here, Jesus prays this. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Jesus prays for his life to reflect the glory of God. He prays for, for the fact that, that, that God, Jesus, before the world began, Jesus was a part of creation to bring him back to that glory, knowing that the finished work would come, he'd be restored back to God the Father. Now, our prayer could be similar. And that prayer of, of, of pursuing God, of knowing that God may my life be restored to you so that I can be with you in your presence. But I wonder, instead of praying, God, I can't wait to be in your presence to allow you to work in me. Maybe we're praying, God, just help my life today. Be comfortable. Be easy. Help me to have personal gain. Help me to accomplish this. Help me to have the praise, not you. And not that we purposely say it that way, because that really, I know we don't, but yet we often want that praise. And so our prayers are based upon, God, help me to be seen and known for how good I am. And it may not be the words we use, but I know sometimes our prayers reflect that. We want people to think better of us sometimes. So what what does this mean for our prayer life? If we flip this difference, if we look at the fact that we see Jesus praying this way for himself, and we often struggle and pray this way, what can we do? To bring those together. Maybe we need to just shift how we pray for ourselves. We need to shift what we do. And it starts with a relationship with Jesus. If you're here today and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, if you're at home watching and you're praying, hey, if you don't have that relationship with Jesus, today it may start with that. 
Starts with a relationship with Jesus because once you have that, everything else changes. Your prayer life changes and everything else changes and your life can be transformed. Paul in 2 Corinthians says this. He says this. He says, well, whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. This idea of the veil is what, what can be a spiritual darkness or a blinder to see what God's doing. We see that we know that we look at scripture and see that Jesus came. And when he, he, he died on the cross, the veil was torn. And there was an, a, an opportunity now for us to see God through Jesus. And I love this. The veil was taken away. And it says, continues, now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But we all, with unveiled faces, looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. I love this thought here, that now that if you have a relationship with God, you have an unveiled face, you can now reflect the glory of God in your life. And I love it as this idea of looking as in a mirror. And so today I have this mirror and I, I heard someone say this once uh, and I, uh, it's this idea of knowing that a mirror is something that, that reflects exactly what should be seen there. It reflects it. And what if we live in such a way that when people look at, at us, they see the character, the essence of who God is. They see God fulfilled and looking. When they look at us, they see Jesus. And that's what we want. Sometimes we do this. You know, it's that idea, right? We want everybody to see us and we make it about us. That's obvious. That's easy. And I get that, that when we see that, um, but there's more to that. I think we know when we're doing that. I think you know when other people are doing that. It's, it's like, okay, that's really about you. And it really is. I think there's a more subtle thing that happens. You see, uh, recently... In the last few weeks, I, um, I, there are certain triggers that we all have in our life that frustrate us. You know, there are, aren't there? There are certain triggers of what people say or do. And, and, and I know in uh, some of those, for me, uh, I was in a conversation with someone recently, and I allowed those triggers to impact my emotions. I allow myself to get frustrated in my tone and my response, trying to help fix that situation. I wanted them to see and understand what I was saying. I wanted to be heard. And I did it in a way that wasn't healthy. And, and I, I know for a, a lot of you in here, maybe you've had those conversations as well with people where your tone and response wasn't as good as it should have been. And that was me. And it was clearly me. And even though uh, maybe my intention I thought was good to help that situation, the way I responded did not help. The person didn't all of a sudden go, oh, now that you're using that tone of voice, I get it. And I love it. <laughs> they, they didn't do that, you know. It, it actually caused a more division and problems, and it wasn't a healthy response. And you see, what I believe happens is the more subtle thing we do. We want our life to reflect God, but I spend so much time sometimes wanting to fix other people. And make sure they know what God wants for them to do. <laughs> that what I actually do is this. Here's the mirror. I want it to be a reflection of who God is. But I stand in front of it. I'm standing in front of the mirror thinking I am a, a vo voice for God because I'm going to help you be fixed. I'm going to help you. And what happens is I get in the way of what God's doing. And this is what I did a couple weeks ago. I, I should have stopped, stepped back, and then allowed God to do his work in me and this person. 
And instead, I said, I got this, God. Don't worry about it. Let me tell you what you need. (laughs) It didn't work. It did not work. It didn't make the situation better. The way that I responded did not help anyone. It was not a good thing. And so for me, when I'm looking at this kind of thought, I'm thinking, you know, what can we do to not stand in the mirror anymore? Because in that moment, I, 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 my self-righteousness took over the righteousness of Christ. My own self-righteousness stood in front of the righteousness of Christ so that I could get what I wanted. Now, good news is we had a conversation and we talked things through and it was a, a, good, a good thing, but I beat myself up over that a little bit. And, if, and, and that's a healthy way to do. Sometimes you don't want to rest in that and stay that. But, but I think it was a good reminder of me that I was starting to put more confidence in my flesh and who I was than what God was doing. And I think, I got this, God. And we start thinking we got it. We just creep in front of the righteousness of Christ that we want to reflect to other people. And that's not a healthy way to live. That's not a healthy way to to go. And I see that Jesus' prayer is all about this. It's all about this idea and understanding that that, that we can be transformed by what he's doing. You see, you'll be transformed by the thing that carries the most weight in your life. Uh, What holds the most weight in your situation? Is it being right? Staying in front of the mirror. Is it pointing out where others are wrong? You're standing in front of the mirror. Is it wanting people to praise us and think good of us? God, let me take this one. <laughs> or is it, does, is it wanting them to know Jesus? So how do we do that? How do we live in such a way that we reflect the glory of God and the way that we love others and the way that we live? One of my favorite verses is 1 John 3, 2. And I love this verse. It's, it's kind of an epiphany for me when I read it. But I love it. It says, Dear friends, now we are children of God. And this idea of it, once you place your faith and trust in Jesus, you become a child of God. You belong to Christ. And what we will be has not yet been made known. That means we're a work in progress. At some point when we're, we, we're with God forever, we'll begin to see that. But right now, I'm a work in progress. It says, but we know that when Christ appears, when Christ either returns or we see him, uh, when, when we meet him in heaven, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And I love this line. We shall be like him. When do you become like someone? When you truly know them and truly see them for who they are. It's the idea of, of, of in the beginning we talked about how do you learn to talk? You learn to talk by listening. How do we learn to pray? We learn to pray by watching how Jesus prays and the heart of God comes out of that. How do we become more like Christ? We look and see how does Jesus respond in the way that he lives and the way that he loves? You see, we've been talking about this one journey and this discipleship journey that a church-wide we're going to take, we're taking together. Discipleship isn't a program or a Bible study. It can have elements of that. Discipleship is this pursuit of knowing how to, be, of becoming more like Christ in the way we live and the way we love. How do we do that? By pursuing this intimate heart-to-heart relationship with God the Father through Jesus. We begin to see that play out in our lives. You'll be transformed because your life will reflect the character, the essence, the glory of God in the way that we live and the way that we love others. Now, I know you're going to hit frustrating seasons. There's going to be things that trigger you. Pray that you ask, what are the triggers that trigger you? What are the things that, that cause you to all of a sudden get into your frustrated voice? I've learned some of mine. 
And so I'm learning, all right, when I get into that, God, I got to stop. I got to pull back. I got to begin to say, wait a minute, why do I need to be right in this situation? Why do I need to fix this? Why do I need to be that? God, you're the one at work. Let me trust in what you're doing in that moment. So I have a prayer for us this morning that I want us to look at, a prayer that I want us to do. And, and, and this is a prayer that I, I believe it's, it's a simple prayer, not because it's easy to do, because it's simple to, to learn. It says this, God, help me care more about what people think of you than they think about me. What if we prayed this when triggers hit, when frustration hit? God, help me care more about what people think of you than they think about me. What if instead of me caring about fixing this person and being right and making the room and standing in front of the mirror, I said, you know what, God, I want, I care more what they think of you than they think of me. And I'm going to step aside, God, and let you do that. What would be different in our prayer life? What would be different in our relationships? What would be different if we begin to step back and said, all right, God, as I start to get frustrated at life, when circumstances are overwhelming me, God, let me live in such a way that people will want to know you more than me. Care more about what they think of you. It changes everything in how we respond. If we pray like this, life will feel different and be different. But we need the Holy Spirit in our lives to help us. You have the Holy Spirit because of, uh, of your relationship with Christ. The, the Spirit of God can come in and help us in those seasons of life. Can help us walk through uh, those tough times. It's praying, God, would your Spirit help me to not be frustrated in the situation. Help me to be reminded quickly that, that I should care about what they think of you more than they think of me. In just a moment here, we're going to have a, a video being played. And the video is going to kind of walk you through some, some uh, a prayer reflection. And at this prayer reflection time, I want to encourage you to take a moment and just pray before God and think about what are the things in your life? What are the triggers in your life? What are the moments in your life when you stand in front of the mirror before other people that you need to lay down and say, God, it's not about me and it's about you. God, let me stop being the one trying to stand in front of what you're doing and let me rest in what you're doing and begin praying that. And then after that, our band will have a song that they'll play. You, during that song, just listen and reflect on that and then we'll continue with worship uh, after that. Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for your grace and your truth and your love. I thank you, God, that you're a, a gracious God in the middle of life. And I, I know that, that you sent your son, Jesus, to come to earth, to live a perfect life, to die in our place so that we could have a relationship with you. God, I pray that I would learn to pray like you pray. Have a heart of compassion for people, to care for people, to know you more than for me to be liked or loved or appreciated or have comfortable lives. God, let my heart be more about you than about me. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening. This message was a part of the ministry of Crossroads Community Church. To support Crossroads and make more messages like this available, you can click Give Now in the description below. And to find out more information on all of Crossroads Ministries, go to crossroads140.com. If you enjoyed the message today, don't forget to follow us or subscribe to our channel. And we hope to see you again soon.